Amen. Open with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Those of you online, you can't rely on our technology to open the Bible for you. If you want to read along, you're going to have to go all the way back to the Gutenberg Press days and open one of these things. It's near the back. I know you don't have to search that often anymore through pages when you can just Google stuff. Last book of the Bible, chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So we're going to do that for our sermon today. (laughs) It's been great. Honestly, though, what would, what would that feel like if I stopped talking for 30 minutes and we sat in this room together? I'm not going to do it because you're not mature enough. <laughs> and the kids left already. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is the word of the Lord. So we are embarking today and for the next three weeks on a really fun new series, and I hope it's fun, uh, and it's called Nothing Without Prayer. Can we get that graphic up on the screen? Uh, We're going to have two phrases that we're going to use this morning. One is this one, nothing without prayer. So say that out loud. And the other one is going to be fill the bowl. So we can say that even though you don't know what it means yet. Fill the bowl. bowl. But if you uh, think about nothing without prayer, you probably immediately are like, cool, I like that. I don't want to do anything without prayer. I want to be a person whose home is an open door to Jesus Christ, right? If prayer is like... Christ saying, early in Revelation 3, actually, here I am, knocking at the door, open. And prayer is saying, yep, Lord, come on in, clean house, do that sort of thing. Live here with me in the spaces that I am going, that I am being. We would love that. We would love to be nothing without prayer. And yet we recognize at Springs Community Church that we are often lots of things without prayer. Right? Now, We do a pretty good job. There's never a meeting that goes by that we don't begin with prayer, right? There's never a service that we gather that we don't begin and usually end with prayer. And yet, I don't think it's hard for us to recognize if we pay a little bit of attention that there's plenty that goes on without prayer. There's plenty of times where Jesus is knocking on the door of Springs Community Church and we say, not now, I'm busy. Right? Or we say, it's a little cluttered in here. Can you come back after I clean up? <clears throat> but Nothing Without Prayer, while absolutely a series about Springs Community Church, 
is more about you. And you and you and you and you. And if we teach about prayer here for the next three weeks and learn all sorts of wisdom and knowledge and insight and techniques about different ways to pray or different theologies of prayer or these sorts of things, and you don't actually become a person who is nothing without prayer, we've fallen short. Let me tell you what a weak and worthless individual is according to Jesus Christ. He says, don't be like those who give out in public so that everybody can see their great offering, right? Don't be like the chief priests and leaders of the church who pray out in public, right, with long-winded phrases and deep, big words. Instead, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, because there in the secret place your father will hear you he already knows what you need. We need to become a people who are nothing without prayer, and I'm urging you, I'm inviting you to become a person who is nothing without prayer, and yet I'm aware that there is a discrepancy between what we want and what we do. And there's a discrepancy between how we perceive something as valuable and what God actually finds valuable. We're going to go back to that Revelation passage in just a second. But just a quick survey. Raise your hand if I was going to ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, is prayer challenging for you? And you're anywhere between 5 and 10. Yeah. We did a little, uh, a little kind of staff and beyond uh, not quite a survey, but just a question, and we asked, uh, why don't we pray? What are the reasons we don't pray? There's a lot of reasons we don't pray. You might have different ones than these, but this is a list that some of us came up with. It's boring. <laughs> these, aren't, these aren't from us. We would never say this, obviously. This is us speculating what other people feel. <laughs> other people's prayers count, but mine don't. You ever felt that? It's just the same things over and over. God's sovereign. He's just going to do what he wants anyway. Sometimes it feels like God's never showing up and I'm just talking to the wall. How long am I supposed to listen? How much should I talk? It's uncomfortable. I'm uncertain. I'm not worthy to pray. I've got some sin stuff going on. How about this one? Oh, yeah, I don't have time. I'm a little busy. You've got all the time in the world. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Have any of you felt that before? The prayer is embarrassing. What I think is most interesting about that one is when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, in corporate settings, right, it's a little embarrassing to speak out. I'm kind of introverted. I don't know what to say. Have you ever felt embarrassed praying in private? I have. Isn't that weird? I don't know how to pray right. I don't have faith. Some people, I don't need to. 
You've heard that before. That's not a terribly Christian answer, but I don't need to. I'm independent. Maybe a little pride there. I get so distracted every time I pray, right? I forgot. There's a lot of reasons why we don't pray. And we'll get back to them. But I think it kind of ultimately boils down to, again, this discrepancy. We either think our prayers don't matter, we think other people's prayers matter. The perceived value of what happens on your own before you pursue anything else in the day behind a closed door closet, we think of as so much less significant, less meaningful than all of these public displays of religiosity or even of justice and other good and significant things. And yet, hear these words. Open your Bible again with me. To the book of Revelation, chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Come back with me. Put yourself in John's shoes. We did a Revelation series a few uh, months ago. Some of you who are here this morning were not there during that series, but we talked about all of these letters to the seven churches and the letters to the angels of the seven churches. And so you've got to put yourself in John's shoes, right? John, the apostle, the beloved of Jesus Christ, is caught up into heaven, and he sees all of these remarkable, indescribable, powerful things, right? Right? Elders surrounding the throne of God where there is a slain lamb and these four creatures with wings and eyes all over the wings encircling the throne shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then someone declares who is worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. And the only one that was worthy was the lamb of God slain on the throne. And then these seven seals start to be opened. Picture this vividly, and not like a movie where you know it's fake, because it's not fake. John saw these things. And these seven seals are open. And so if you just skim with me, you got a paper Bible, they're great, they're really good for skimming. The first seal is open. I watched the lamb open the first of the seven seals, and let me summarize, this is chapter 6. There was a rider, a white horse, and he came and he conquered, and he took peace from the earth. Visualize that. It's not pleasant. The second seal came, took peace from the earth with a sword. The third seal, come, there was a black horse, its rider holding a pair of scales in his hand, and a voice like four living creatures a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley. 
In other words, inflation. Positive, negative? The lamb opened the fourth seal, and there was a pale horse, and its rider was named Death, and they killed by sword, famine, and plague. All right, keep your thumb up, thumb down. How's this going? Are you enjoying this vision so far? Fifth seal. Under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true? How long? And the sixth seal, the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to earth. Why do I bring this up? Well, I skipped something, because in chapter 5, when the lamb appears with his seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. They sang songs like we just sang and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints are at the start before the opening of the seven seals. Tell me, did the prayers work? Were they meaningful? How did the opening of the seven seals go? Was it pleasant? Was it enjoyable? Was the perceived value of those prayers really high while John was looking at that first seal opened and its implications, that second seal opened, that third, that fourth, that fifth, where the saints are crying out, how long, O Lord? And you can see why maybe someone who's a little weak might stop praying. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, how long, O Lord? And then the seventh seal is opened. And there was. Silence. And the angel came with all of the prayers gathered in a bowl, or a censer in this case, right? There's a little encasing for incense to burn out, right? And you know what smell does to a space. It's a pretty nice room that we're in right now. Put a good smell in here, it's a great room. Put a bad smell in here, you're leaving instantly, right? The prayers of the saints, like incense, changing the whole atmosphere in the midst of silence. Do you notice the roaring thunder in the silence? There is none. What is present? The prayers of the people and he takes it, and he takes some fire from the altar, which is always burning, and he hurls it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. The righteous judgment of the Lord. I hope I don't have to explain it to you. The discrepancy between the perceived value of the prayers for oh so long 
and the actual value of the prayers. Every prayer you pray in the closet, the Lord hears. Every cry of your heart with words unspeakable, the Lord hears. And he doesn't take them and dismiss them and say, that wasn't good enough. That was not an adequate prayer. He holds them and he cares for them. And those things are the things that conclude the scrolls, that conclude this judgment of God on the earth in his righteousness and in his faithfulness and bring power. I believe if even one of you takes seriously the call to pray, and I encourage even those of you who are the most mature in this audience, in this congregation, in prayer, and the most faithful in it, to consider yourself like children again before you approach the throne if even one of you takes this seriously, the call to pray and to serve the Lord in the secret and the quiet place, you will have greater impact on the scope of this world's history, greater impact on behalf of those whom you love and care about. You'll have greater impact on behalf of justice and righteousness that we see even today and most certainly in the days to come. And you'll have greater impact in blessing the Lord himself if you offer yourself specifically to him than the, I believe this, some contribution of everybody else who does not. If one of you takes it seriously and commits yourself to pray, we don't pray because it's boring, it doesn't seem like it counts, all of these reasons, and yet, I'm just gonna tell you it does. There's no clever way for me to convince you it does, except for me to tell you Get into the closet and try it. So I can't convince you, I don't think, but I want to at least give you some handholds. Praying is confusing sometimes if you don't know what to do, and I've found these helpful. And so for the next three weeks we'll commit to, I want you to think about each of these three things every single day as you approach God to pray, as you commit to pray. And I want you to think of that bowl that the angels around the throne are gathering, that God is paying close attention to, that's getting up in his nostrils and influencing how he perceives the spaces that he's in. And I want you to fill that bowl with all of these prayers. And these prayers are this. The first one is the type of prayer called intercession. I believe all prayers fall under one of these three categories. Intercession is as simple as this, praying on behalf of another. That's basically all intercession is. What can that look like? Let's go to our next slide. Intercession on behalf of another can look like persistent address of a need. What would it look like for you to pay attention to the needs of the people in your world? A lot of us pray for children or for parents or for family, what would it look like for us to even expand that a little bit or at least to be faithful for praying persistently for the needs of these people, right? My grandmother is a phenomenal example of this. She's, uh, she's really rigid in her prayer uh, time. She's got literally books and journals full of lists of who am I gonna pray for? And every day, every night, she works her way through it. She blesses and she intercedes on behalf for another. 
Prayer can look like an authoritative position of defense or advocacy on behalf of someone else. That one's maybe a little bit trickier, but basically it's like acting as a lawyer or a judge on behalf of another, right? When Moses goes even before God and God is frustrated with his people and he says, God, don't give up on us yet, right? Or he says, God, uh, show mercy to this one or something along the lines. Stand in the place of advocacy for another. Intercession looks like this. It looks like listening. What are the needs around me? Where do I hear the cries of the people? What are the needs around me? Where do I hear the cries of the people? And how can I be persistent in praying on behalf of them? How can I speak authoritatively because I am a child of God on behalf of them? And we intercede. What would it look like for you to adopt intercession into your daily life of prayer? You're confused. You don't know how to pray. You don't know where to start. Start there. What are the needs of the world? How can I have a listening ear? What are some obstacles? These aren't on the slide. But the obstacles, I think, to me praying at least, intercessorily, are pretty shaming, even damning at times. I don't care is the main reason. Why don't I intercede on behalf of somebody who's in need, whom God loves, whose voice is crying out? Because I don't care that much. You ever felt that? Because I don't have faith maybe is an easier one to say. <laughs> I don't believe God will do anything in response to my prayers. But a lot of the times it's just that I don't care. I'm slothful. Or maybe, like the Lord says, pray for those who persecute you. Bless your enemies. It's because my heart is full of malice. And I don't actually like people. <laughs> They've hurt me and I don't want to pray for them. Why don't I intercede on behalf of others? It's because I am selfish, because I'm careless, and because I'm full of malice. And so Jesus Christ, right now we pray, would you rid our hearts of this sloth, rid our hearts of this apathy and this indifference, rid our hearts of this malice, and Lord, in the quiet place, teach us to intercede the way that you, Jesus Christ, intercede on our behalf every day. Another category of prayer, if you're ever wondering, how ought I pray? You just pray Jesus' prayer or do these. Intercede. The next one is what I call alignment type prayers, right? And these are pretty straightforward. This is like what Jesus does when he goes up on the mountain every morning and tries to discern what his objectives for the day are. These are the towns that I plan to go to. Jesus says of himself, I do nothing outside of my father, right? We've got examples of, of Peter um, and Cornelius. He's just praying on the top roof of a house, and the Lord says, this is what you are to do next. This is your assignment, right? Many other examples throughout Scripture of this. Alignment prayers are simply prayers on behalf of yourself, I think is the easiest way to think about it. And they can look, this is not exhaustive. These are just some handholds for you as you continue to to, to lean into prayer. Actionable or power-up prayers, right? Lord, this is something that I believe I need to do. Equip me in order to do this thing, right? 
Natalie told me at church today I should invite somebody. I'm a little scared. <laughs> Equip me. Help me. Give me the words to say. Alignment prayers look like confession or repentance. Lord, I have diverted from the path. I know you told me to do X. It was significant. It was important. I convinced myself it wasn't, and I watched another Marvel movie or something. You know? God, I haven't told anybody else yet. Give me the strength to confess with my peers so that I can walk in accountability and in righteousness, iron sharpening iron, but I've been carrying this secret sin for a long time. I don't want to carry it anymore. Give me the strength to confess and give me the power of your spirit to overcome my addiction, right, my confession, repentance, an essential alignment prayer, and listening. Back real quick. Waiting for marching orders, saying, Lord, you are the shepherd, I am the sheep, I follow you, and seeking conviction because it is the spirit who convicts us of righteousness and of judgment, not our own insight and wisdom. And so we stop and we say, Lord, align me to your will, align me to your character. Convict me of my sin and give me the direction to go. In the Jewish culture, any of you uh, spent time in either Jewish neighborhoods, Jewish households, uh, Israel itself? A couple of us. What's on the door of every door frame? A mezuzah. Mezuzahs are beautiful, little things, uh, and it just looks like a little rectangular box. Most of them are metal, a lot of them are wood. Um, and they're on the door frames. And if you see a Jewish person who's practicing, right, every time they walk through a door that has a mezuzah on it, they'll touch it and then they'll mutter something to themselves. And you won't understand it because it's in Hebrew. I don't think any of you speak Hebrew. The mezuzah encapsulates a little scroll that is from Deuteronomy and the, the Torah, and it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And every time you go through a door, you remember, all right, Lord, my presence in this door, in this new room, or in this new outside is one of acknowledging your goodness. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And you approach every new room with that as the first thing on your mind, asking the Lord, what are my marching orders? How am I approaching this room outside of your love first? One of my good friends in college, a, a woman named Camille, she used to pray in the fashion of the mezuzah every time she'd open a door, and this is literal, she would pray, um, Lord, what do you want me to do in this room? Because she was committed to this practice of alignment prayer because she wanted to do nothing without prayer, right? She wanted to fill the bowl of the incense and the altar of the Lord and the throne of the Lord with these prayers of alignment so that when she was found at the end of the seals, she would be found faithful. She wanted to do the will of the Lord because it's good and it's better. Alignment prayers, actionable. Lord, what can I do in this room? Confession, Lord, how am I walking in unfaithfulness? And what are the obstacles to this? You felt these before? You might be able to think of them yourself. Willfulness. 
pride. <clears throat> Lord, I don't really want to ask what you want me to do in this room that I'm going into because I already decided what I want to do in that room. <laughs> and it's remarkable how many of our decisions throughout the course of the day work out that way, right? God, I opened this computer screen already knowing what I want out of it. Probably not going to ask you to change my mind. Because I'm proud. Because I'm willful. Because I don't want the direction of the Lord. And God forbid I would be convicted about something. <laughs> that would hurt. That would make me feel bad. Fill the bowl with prayers of intercession. And fill the bowl with prayers of alignment. Do not let your malice or your sloth get in the way, and do not let your pride and your willfulness get in the way of praying Christ-likeness unto yourself. The third type of prayer is all of our favorite, and I say that sincerely, and if it's not, it will become it, and it is this intimacy. Prayers of intimacy. Prayers that are for nothing but the Lord himself. For nothing but the Lord himself. Prayers for nothing but the Lord himself. These are our prayers of adoration. When we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, it's a prayer of intimacy. Looking at your child and saying, what a great kid you are, <laughs> right? Just adoring the one who saved us and who's been kind and merciful to us. There are also prayers, if you go to the next slide, of lament. The lines blur here a little bit, right? Through lament, we're often interceding as well, praying on behalf of those who are suffering. But a lot of the time, you come home after a long day of work, you're frustrated, right? You were waiting tables and your, your guests didn't tip you very well, right? And you just got to vent to someone. You got to talk it out. We go to the Lord simply for the sake of grieving and of mourning with him as the one who cares and who understands our suffering. And of stillness or togetherness, where our only objective in prayer is to share space uninterrupted with the one whom we love, who loves us. Adoration, lament, stillness, these prayers of intimacy, often neglected in favor of continuing to try and work for righteousness by exclusively praying intercession or alignment prayers and neglecting this one. What gets in the way of praying for intimacy or of praying in intimacy or of these types of prayers? Well, shame, I think, is the first one. Remember I said prayer is very much like opening the door for the one who knocks. God, if I let you into my intimate spaces, what are you going to find? That's like... My house isn't prepared. It's not ready for you. I'm not a very good cook. You know? Fear that God doesn't love you. And if I open up myself in the vulnerable spaces of intimacy, I'll be met with the same feedback that human beings who've, who've disappointed me in the past have. I don't pray intimacy prayers because I'm, I'm full of shame 
because I'm full of fear, or, and this is the most convicting for me because I'm impatient, because I'm covetous. And intimacy with anyone who's worth loving is a time-taking process of sitting in stillness and togetherness and attentiveness. And I want, because I'm, you know, a millennial, pray for the Zoomers. I want it now! You know, what's the name? Willy Wonka, golden egg girl. You think she was intimate with anyone? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> probably, probably not. Because I'm covetous, because I want what I want, and I want it now, and I don't want to be still, and I don't want to be patient, and I don't want to give adoration to another, and I don't want to deal with the actual things that are going on inside the intimate places of my soul and of my mind and of my heart. And so I choose something faster and more entertaining more quickly. And so the Lord goes <clears throat> to take this censer, this bowl full of incense presented to him by the angels and the elders around his throne. And he looks at it and he sees my prayer bowl and he puts fire on it and there's no fuel in there because it was empty spurts out to nothing. And sure, you had fun for a few years. Beloved of God, let's pray. There's a thousand, thousand, million different ways to pray. There's books and books and books and teachings and all sorts of things that we could go through on techniques, on theologies of prayer. What did the incense smell like? How many holes did the sensor have in it? Whatever you want. I do not care. Not today. I'll care another day. Today I only care that you as individuals and you as individuals becoming the collective us as Springs Community Church become people of prayer who, if you go to the next one, don't neglect to fill the bowl with prayers of intercession on behalf of one another. Don't neglect to fill the bowl with prayers of intimacy on behalf of, or sorry, prayers of alignment. Typo there, my bad on behalf of yourself, and prayers of intimacy for the Lord alone. And I am warning you ahead of time, as we pursue this together, the devil will convince you it's worthless. The devil will convince you it does not matter. The devil will convince you that you're bored. The devil will convince you that when you go into the quiet place and he starts distracting your mind with all the junk that you've filled it with over the course of your life, that that's a good reason to give up because you're not making any progress. And I'm telling you, do not stop filling the bowl with prayers of intercession, with prayers of alignment, and with prayers of intimacy, and the thunder, and the rumblings, and the flashes of lightning, and the earthquakes that will come as a result now and into the future will surprise you. They will startle you. They will shock you. Because the difference in the perceived value that we hold of prayer and how God holds that bowl of incense in his hand is staggering. Let us see our prayers the way the Lord does. And let us pray the way Jesus Christ does, interceding on our behalf, aligning himself with the will of the Father, and loving the Lord in moments of intimacy. Nothing without prayer and filling the bowl. Let's pray together.
Lord, let us not seek to be clever. Let us not seek to be wise in human standards. Lord, let us seek to fall on you, to cast ourselves on you. Holy Spirit, we know that you teach us and you remind us of all things of Christ. We ask that you would teach us to pray, not through cleverness, Lord, but as we seek you in the quiet place. In those moments, Lord, teach us to pray. God, open the doors of our closets in our homes for us. Let them be appealing and enticing. Draw us into the wonder of your secret place. Rid us of our pride, God. Rid us of our malice, Lord. Rid us of our impatience, of our shame. God, when we open the door, the closet of prayer. We open the door to the sound of your knocking. We invite you in. Make your home into this place. Help us clean up. Leave no nook or cranny unexamined and unexplored and unkempt. And Lord, turn this building of saints here, this temple that you've established into an intercessory force on behalf of the weak and of the needy and of the lost and of the depressed and of the suicidal and of the addicted and of the familyless and of the rejected and the uncool. quietest, smallest, weakest voice to the loudest, most well-trained, Lord, you hear, you hold. And so, Lord, open our ears to hear your voice of love and strengthen in us our love for you and for one another in this call to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.